Welcome to the British History Podcast. My name is Jamie, and this is episode 129, The Life of King Wolfhera. This show is free and independent due to member support. And as thanks for helping keep the community going, I offer members-only content, such as extra episodes and rough transcripts. If you're interested in supporting the show and helping us out, you can do so over at thebritishhistorypodcast.com. And thank you very much to Robert, Patrick, and Peter for joining up already. About a year and a half ago, I did a series on the Staffordshire Horde. And talking with the experts and viewing the relics was easily one of my favorite moments from the entire experience of putting together the BHP. As you might remember, the Horde was found in Mercia and is dated to roughly around the era that we're talking about right now. In fact, I would be willing to wager that for most of you, the first time that you heard the name Wolf Hera was during one of those episodes. Because it's possible that the Horde had some level of connection to him and it actually might even have been his. So I thought that it might be a good idea to talk about Wolf Hera in a single episode, since while we have talked a bit about him, as his life has touched upon many of the different stories that we've been talking about in the show, it has been all through the lens of King Oswiu of Northumbria. I mean, I love the story of King Oswiu, and he really was the best way to frame this story for the last couple of decades, since much of what was happening was revolving around him. However, he wasn't the only Anglo-Saxon heavyweight at the time. And so rather than simply talking about everything in the context of how it impacts everyone's favorite kinslaying king, I thought we should probably spend an episode focusing entirely upon the other major powerhouse in Eastern Britain at the time. Namely, Wolfhera, son of Penda and king of Mercia. And so this episode will mostly cover the years from 655 to 660. Now, obviously, Wolf Hera wasn't always king. When he was young, it was his father who ruled Mercia, and who demanded the submission of a wide variety of nobles and kings. But as you remember, Penda's rule came to an end at the Battle of the Windwade, where King Oswiu, through what seems to have been an ambush, defeated the retreating Mercian army and killed the king. And actually, Oswiu launched that attack despite the fact that the Mercians held his own son, Egfrith, as a hostage. And that really was our first indication of how Oswiu rolled. But it all worked out because Penda was slain and Oswiu's son survived. Though I wonder if things were a bit tense at home after that. Now, we aren't given any indication of whether or not Wolf Hera was at the Windwade. It wasn't a total slaughter, some Mercians did survive, so it is possible that he was there and that he made it out alive. However, based upon the dates that we have regarding the life of Wolf Hera, if he was there, he probably was quite young. So it really depends on whether or not Penda would have wanted to bring a 10 to 12 year old boy on a strike against Northumbria. But regardless of whether or not Wolf Hera was there, it goes without saying that this event was probably an enormous moment in his life. I mean, his dad died. And the man that was responsible for it seized the throne of Mercia. True, he allowed Wolf Hera's brother, Peda, to continue to rule as a sub-king, at least briefly, but less than a year later, Peda was murdered by his own wife, who also happened to be Oswiu's daughter. That must have been an incredibly tough year for Wolf Hera, and the blame for it landed squarely on the shoulders of the Northumbrians, the line of Ida, and in particular, King Oswiu. And those early years are often so crucial in human development. 
They're that curious middle point where we're starting to develop the intelligence and strength of character that allows us to fully forge our own paths, but we're still being heavily influenced by our guardians. And here we have Wolf Hera, with his father dying at the hands of a foreign king, and his older brother dying at the hands of that same king's daughter. This isn't the only time we've seen something like this happen. For example, we know how much Aethelfrith's dynastic purge affected Edwin, and Edwin was at least 18, and quite possibly well into his 20s, when all that horrific stuff happened. But here we have a tween dealing with many of the same issues. The chaos that must have been introduced into Wolf Hera's life is hard to imagine. And I wonder what his life was like in those intervening years. Was he a prisoner? A well-kept hostage? Was he free? Was he in hiding with his sisters, younger brother, and Queen Chinawiza? Hell, we don't even know all that much about Queen Chinawiza. For example, we don't know if she survived the Windwade, since it was she who held Egfrith hostage. For that matter, we don't even know if she was Wolf Hera's mother, but she is the only wife of Penda that we know of, so we tend to guess that she was. So, what happened there? Was Wolf Hera with her? Was she alive? It isn't clear. What is clear is that for three years, Mercia was ruled by the man who killed Wolf Hera's father and who was probably responsible for the death of his older brother. What a nightmare. And then, after three years, things were finally in place. We don't know exactly what sparked it, because the sources we have access to are rather sparse in explaining what happened next. But what we're told is that three Mercian nobles, Imin, Apha, and Aidbert, snatched up Wolf Hera and hit him somewhere. Where? Again, it isn't clear. And while we're raising questions that don't have answers, where did Meryl Wall fit into all this? Do you remember him? He was the leader that Penda put in charge of the Maganseta. Some appointed to him as having a familial relationship with Penda, quite possibly even being his son. And Meryl Wall appears to have still been ruling over the Maganseta at around this point. So that raises a couple questions regarding those theories, doesn't it? I mean, if he was the son of Penda, and he was still in charge of the Maganseta, why all the attention paid to Wolf Hera? And also, why did Oswiu continue to allow him to maintain his rule? It just doesn't make any sense, and frankly, any reference to his connection to Penda wouldn't come along for centuries after his death. So my guess is that the theories regarding Merowal's lineage are probably off the mark, and that he was probably just a favored Mercian noble. Anyway, back to Wolf Hera. So he was in hiding while the Mercian nobility and any supporters amongst the common people launched this attack against the Northumbrians, and presumably their collaborators. And at this point, Wolf Hera was probably in his mid-teens, so maybe around 14 to 15 years old. Young, but not too young to fight. As you probably remember from the Warfare episodes, the warbands often included teenagers. These weren't battle-hardened men in their 40s. These were often barely more than kids and young adults. So Wolf Hera was definitely old enough to be there in the fight. However, he was also very important, and much like Edwin at the Battle of the River Idol, he would have presented a very tempting target. If Wolf Hera died, their cause very well could have collapsed. So hiding him away was the smart move, but I wonder if it was his idea, or if it was something that was forced upon him by the other nobles. As we discussed in earlier episodes, it isn't entirely clear what came after that. We don't know if there were any dramatic battles, 
or if there was a night strike that involved a lot of throats being cut while the Northumbrians and their collaborators slept, or if they were just ejected peacefully through a show of strength or something along those lines. Nothing is told to us. And that's a shame, because knowing what happened there might have given us a better understanding of who Wolf Hera was and the environment he was in when he came into his throne. But after three years of Northumbrian rule and the loss of his brother and father, Wolf Hera was now installed as king. And it does seem like these events had a profound effect upon the young king, and that Wolf Hera had learned some of the lessons of ruthlessness that Oswiu had offered. I say that not just because of what will follow, but also because rather than marching in and attempting to put down the rebellion and retaking Mercia, King Oswiu stayed in the north. The impression that I get from that is that there was something about this boy and his warbands that spooked the northern king. So now Wolf Hera, who was probably only around 14 to 15 years old, ruled over and collected food rent from over 12,000 households. He was now one of the richest men in all of Britain. And with the acquisition of that power, we're able to start to catch glimpses of the character of this young king. Soon after Wolf Hera took the throne, he married Eyre Menhild, the daughter of King Ericumbert of Kent. You remember him. He was the younger son of King Aedbald, who passed over his older brother, Eyre Menred, and took the throne of Kent. Well, Ericumbert had a couple daughters, and also a couple sons, and Wolf Hera married one of them. The daughters, not the sons. And that was a pretty smart move, because it provided Wolf Hera with a much-needed ally in Kent at a time when his reign was probably a bit tenuous, especially since he was the first Christian Mercian king, and he was working on converting his kingdom in addition to preparing for any issues that might come out of the north. So having a powerful Christian kingdom on his side was probably a big relief. And this also led to a sudden burst of monasticism in Mercia that was supported by King Wolf Hera as well as his inner circle. And we hear about how he gave land in Lindsay to Bishop Chad in order to build a monastery, and how Wilfrid was building monasteries in Mercia, and that they very well could have been built during this particular time. As you remember, Wilfrid was supposed to be the Bishop of York, but things kind of went all a bit skew-whiffy due to Oswiu being a bit sneaky while Wilfrid was out of town. But following that event, it looks like he might have gone to Mercia and acted as Wolf Harris bishop for a while, at least according to one source. So what was Oswiu's loss would end up being Wolf Harris gain, especially since Wolf Hera would eventually become the Bishop of York, despite Oswiu's maneuvering. And you can imagine that he was probably less than pleased with Oswiu, and might have had some rather kind thoughts regarding Wolf Hera as well, since he took him in during those early years. So all pretty clever stuff there. But as much as the religious aspect of Wolf Hera's rule might have shaken things up, and they do tend to impact many parts of Wolf Hera's reign, it really was the political and military realm where we see the more significant issues that came out of this era. Right from the start, it's pretty clear that he was re-establishing Mercia as a formidable kingdom in the east. And we can see evidence of that in how Oswiu didn't dare challenge him. Oswiu's star was waning, but Mercia was rising. Wolf Hera was still a teen, and he had sat on the throne only a few years when he went on offense and attacked the West Saxons at Ashdown. Having won the battle there, he pressed on with his warbands and established Aethelwale as the king of the South Saxons, and naturally he would end up serving underneath Wolf Hera. 
And then he had the new king baptized, so that Aethelwale was also now Wolfhera's godson. Oh, and also, the new king had to marry a Mercian lady, quite possibly a member of the royal dynasty. So Aethelwale, the king of the South Saxons, was deep in the pocket of Wolfhera. But it's here that the sources get a bit confusing. I know you're surprised by that, because the Dark Ages are usually so incredibly clear. But the West Saxon Chronicle says that it was on the same year as that whole business with Sussex and Wessex that Wolf Hera went and took the Isle of Wight. Which would mean that in 661, Wolf Hera smacked around one of the more powerful kingdoms in the south, installed a friendly king on a second one, and then acquired and gifted a third kingdom. If that's true, 661 was an incredibly busy year. But Bede placed the attack on the Isle of Wight in a nebulous period of time that could well have been as late as the 670s. So it's hard to say exactly when it might have happened. Regardless though, 661 was a pretty busy year for the Mercians. And this new Mercian king was showing his character and his ability. Based upon the limited accounts of his actions, it still seems fair to say that he was a gifted military leader in the model of his father. But in addition, he seems to have had a sharp political mind, because based upon later dynastic struggles on the Isle of Wight, there are indications that the acquisition of the kingdom was accomplished through the support of the existing royal dynasty on the island, as well as with the aid of the South Saxons. So it almost looks like it was a coup. So Wolf Hera wasn't just a blunt instrument. He seems to have been a bit shrewd. And it really couldn't have escaped the notice of the West Saxons. I mean, their political structure seems to have been developing cracks due to Wolf Hera's pressure. And they actually seem like they're in full retreat from mercy and aggression, giving up lands and providing little pushback. Wolf Hera came out swinging. And what began in those first few years came into full bloom in 664 with the arrival of the plague as well as the arrival of the Synod of Whitby. Those two events ushered in an enormous shift of power in the East. Given the nature of how the accounts were written back then, and where the attention was placed, we only hear about the deaths of the nobility, if we hear of any deaths at all. But depending on the way the plague struck, and who died versus who was resistant, and of course the timing of the spread, there could be a significant shift in the military ability of the various kingdoms that were vying for power. If, for example, it hit the warrior population of one particular kingdom harder than another, then it could cause a dramatic shift in the political and military landscape of Britain. Make sense? So it's possible that just on the sheer dumb luck of the way that illness was transmitted, and the resistance, or lack thereof, of certain populations, that maybe Mercia was in a preferable situation. And out of all the deaths that we are hearing about, we aren't hearing much out of Mercia. So perhaps the low population density of the border people was serving them pretty well. And that's a possibility. But even if the reason that we aren't hearing about a lot of illnesses in Mercia was simply because no one was writing about it, there still were things that Mercia had going for it that Northumbria didn't. For example, Wolf Hera probably didn't scare the hell out of his family like a certain northern king probably did. Also, while Oswe was getting pretty old by the standards of the time, Wolf Hera was only in his early 20s by the time the plague arrived. Consider how tired Oswiu must have been. He appeared first in our story with the death of his father, Aethelfrith, at the Battle of the River Idol, which would have occurred 48 years earlier. And at that time, he was only four years old. 
So he has spent 48 out of his 52 years either as a refugee or as a somewhat blood-soaked leader who was fighting bitterly for every single thing he gained. Based upon what he accomplished, he was certainly an energetic leader when he was younger. But it's been five or six years since Wolf Hera's rebellion, and Mercia continues to be independent. The man who brought down Penda nine years earlier was probably starting to show his age after years of hard living. But Wolf Hera was still young and vibrant, and he was starting to show that the way he came into his throne, namely by allowing his nobles to secure victory for him, wasn't due to any cowardice on his part, but rather was probably the product of a sound strategic mind. While Oswiu lost momentum, Wolf Hera was on the move. And he was using his new religion to attempt to separate the kingdom of Lindsay from northern domination. And really, there are few actions that he could have taken that would have more directly shown his intent to challenge Northumbrian power than this. Lindsay sat right on the doorstep of Northumbria, and it was the site, and sometimes the cause, of a great deal of bloodshed for Northumbrian rulers. And Wolf Hera was sending his bishops into Lindisfara to exercise ecclesiastical authority over the region, which also just happened to line things up for later political control. Farther south, in Essex, Wolf Hera took advantage of the shifting power structures that opened up with the plague of 664, and when the region returned to their paganism under the leadership of King Sigahera, it was Wolf Hera and the clergy that he supported that brought the kingdom back in line with the church. So once again, we see evidence that through Wolf Hera's ties with the church and the substantial religious capital that he gathered by supporting monasticism as well as conversion, he was able to further his political ambitions. Honestly, he was zeroing in on something that even earlier overkings like Edwin had failed to fully implement and take advantage of. Lindsay and Essex were coming under his control, and he didn't even need to fight a war to accomplish it. The priests and monks could take care of it for him. It was a stroke of genius. And by acquiring overlordship of Essex, he also brought London under his sphere of control. And that was huge for many reasons. As you know, the strength of a king is often measured by his ability to give gifts to his warbands. For some, this would require battle and the acquisition of loot. But through the concentration of wealth that came from drawing food rent from 12,000 households, and now having access to a major trade center through London, he could take those surpluses and turn them into luxury items to enhance his status and also ensure that his thanes and warbands stayed happy and loyal. And it also provided yet another way for him to draw income through the taxation of trade. And speaking of drawing income, King Wolf Hera appears to have been something of an innovator, and he did something that makes me suspect that his attention to ecclesiastical matters was driven less by zeal and more by politics. He sold the bishopric of London to Winna, the ousted bishop of Winchester. He was not a man to miss an opportunity, it seems. And this didn't just show Wolf Hera's business savvy, though it definitely was rather significant since he managed to sell something that wasn't even supposed to ever be for sale. And that's kind of an amazing feat. But it also showed that he had absolutely no fear of Wessex. If he did, he probably wouldn't have sold the bishopric to their ousted bishop. So he was kind of telling them where they could shove it. And then a new opportunity appeared for Wolf Hera. In 670, King Oswiu of Northumbria died. A change was coming. 
Okay, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach me at thebritishhistorypodcast.gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, you name it. And you can find links to all of them at thebritishhistorypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, it's been a while since we've done a pub quiz. So let's have one that covers the stuff from Penda up to the rise of Wolf Hera, and we'll see how much you remember. Okay, here we go. Question one. What kingdom did Penda rule over? Question two. Penda ended up attacking the West Saxons. What was his reason? Question three. King Sigebert the Good of Essex was brought out of retirement to fight against Penda. What was he doing before he was dragged into battle? Question 4. King Oswiu had many reasons to dislike Penda, but in particular, he was grouchy about what he did to Oswald, Oswiu's brother. What did Penda do? Question 5. Who were the two principal kings who fought at the Winwade? Question six, and this is a big one. Penda killed five kings. For one point each, name those kings. Question seven. King Peda, son of Penda, was the king of the southern Mercians, and he was married to Oswiu's daughter, Alkfled. Their marriage ended on Easter of 656. How did it end? Question eight. In 658, after three years of Northumbrian domination of Mercia, a rebellion was kicked up, and a new king was proclaimed. Name that Mercian king. Question 9. Thunor, son of Woden, rode around on a chariot that was pulled by a pair of... What kind of animals? Question 10. By the dawn of the 7th century, after 200 years of absence in the Germanic East, something made a comeback that changed the social, political, and economic landscape of the Anglo-Saxons. What was it? Question 11. As society in the East grew more complex as we entered the 7th century, were there more opportunities to improve your station, or were there less? Question number 12. What is a wear guild? Question 13. The wealth of a king in the middle to late Anglo-Saxon era was best compared to the wealth held by A. UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon B. President Barack Obama or C. Bill Gates Question 14. What was the big controversy at the Synod of Whitby? And question 15. True or false, King Oswiu died in battle. All right, you know the drill. I hope you have all your answers written down, and let's see how you do. Question one. What kingdom did Penda rule over? Mercia. Question two. Penda ended up attacking the West Saxons. What was his reason? The king of the West Saxons had set aside his sister and remarried. Question three. King Sigebert the Good of Essex was brought out of retirement to fight against Penda. What was he doing before he was dragged into battle? 
He was a monk. Question 4. King Oswiu had many reasons to dislike Penda, but in particular, he was grouchy about what he did to Oswald, Oswiu's brother. What did Penda do? He killed him, and then he chopped up his body and displayed it on whale stings. Question 5. Who were the two principal kings who fought at the Windwade? Penda and Oswiu. Question 6, and this is a big one. Penda killed five kings. For one point each, name those kings. King Edwin of Northumbria. King Oswald of Northumbria. King Egric of East Anglia. King Sigebert of East Anglia. And King Anna of East Anglia. Question 7. King Peda, son of Penda, was the king of the southern Mercians, and he was married to Oswiu's daughter, Alkfled. Their marriage ended on Easter of 656. How did it end? Alkfled arranged for Peda's murder. Question 8. In 658, after three years of Northumbrian domination of Mercia, a rebellion was kicked up and a new king was proclaimed. Name that Mercian king. Wolf Hera, son of Penda. Question 9. Thunor, son of Woden, rode around on a chariot that was pulled by a pair of... What kind of animals? Goats. Majestic. Question 10. By the dawn of the 7th century, after 200 years of absence in the Germanic East, something made a comeback that changed the social, political, and economic landscape of the Anglo-Saxons. What was it? Trading towns. Though to be honest, I would also take Christianity. Question 11. As society in the East grew more complex as we entered the 7th century, were there more opportunities to improve your station? Or were there less? There were less. But naturally, there were always opportunities to do worse than your station. Question number 12. What is a ware guild? A ware guild translates roughly to man price, and it's what a person's life was worth, and it was tied to their status. Question 13. The wealth of a king in the middle to late Anglo-Saxon era was best compared to the wealth held by A. UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon B. President Barack Obama or C. Bill Gates The answer is C. Bill Gates Question 14. What was the big controversy at the Synod of Whitby? It was whether or not the Northumbrian hegemony would support Celtic Christianity through Iona or whether it would support Roman Catholicism through Canterbury. So basically, it was which branch of Christianity to follow. And question 15. True or false, King Oswiu died in battle? False. He died sick in bed. Okay, I hope you did well, and as always, thanks for listening.